Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start out with just a couple verses. But before I do that, I want to tell you a story, a factual story, many years ago. Actually, it was on December 28, 1923, in the Black Hills of South Dakota. State historian Doanne Robinson suggested building a sculpture on the face of a mountain. And then in 1927, a guy by the name of Gutson Borglum, uh, actually President Coolidge, uh, handed him some drill bits in 1927 to uh, Gutson Borglum. And such, Gutson uh, Borglum uh, saw this face of a mountain, which was just completely rock. And as he was handed those drill bits, he envisioned or he saw what would eventually be the four presidents, George Washington, Theodore Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. Is that right? No. It's 8 o'clock, right? <laughs> Who was it? Who? <laughs> now I got you confused. George Washington, Theodore Roosevelt, and um, Thomas Jefferson, right? And Abraham Lincoln. There we go. I almost get myself confused there. But, of course, today it is known as Mount Rushmore National uh, Memorial. Um, I think of um, Mr. Borglum as he was handed those drill bits by uh, President Coolidge that he saw in that rock and in that face of the mountain these presidents already carved in there. And this morning I want to talk to you about a man in Scripture that Jesus called a rock and show you how he grew or carved him into the man of God that Jesus wanted him to be. And I believe these principles that I'm going to show you in four different passages of Scripture this morning, uh, we can take these same principles to help us grow into what God wants us to be. And of course, that person uh, was Simon Peter. Actually, Peter, before he was even, or Simon, before he was even called, he was a fisherman. I have my fisherman tie on this morning. Um, actually, it doesn't sound like a very bad uh, profession, does it, uh, to be out fishing all the time? But I think it was a little bit different back then. Many days, many nights out on the water, uh, looking up into the sky. Uh, and I just wonder what, what Simon thought about in those early days as he looked up in the sky in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, God, is, is, you know, is there a plan or is there a, a purpose for my life? And certainly we know that, that, um, that Peter found out what that plan was or what that uh, purpose was. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 36 and 37. Here's that rough fisherman so many years earlier, uh, rough cut along the edges, long beard and, and, and long hair probably. I don't know what he looked like. Uh, but you just get that pit, picture of, a, of just a, a rough fisherman. Um, and here he is. In uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, preaching, saying, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter the, and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Did God have a plan or a purpose for Peter's life? Yes, he did. Did it happen overnight? No. Many, many years. Many, many years starting out as a rock like, like the face of that mountain 
just nothing. But after many years of being carved and chipped and chipped away and even blown away in some instances, Peter became this fiery preacher here um, at Pentecost and even eventually giving his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Does God have a plan for my life? Does God have a plan or a purpose for your life? Absolutely, he does. He has a purpose for all of us. All of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has a purpose for us. And it doesn't happen, or you won't be complete. Uh, Part of the song we just sang said, um, and before the throne, I stand in him complete, right? One day we'll be complete in him. But it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time takes time of chipping away. And I want to look at, look at Peter's life this morning at that chipping away. So let's take a quick trip of Peter's life. And this morning, first of all, I want to show you that, that um, Peter had potential. Or God saw in Peter, Simon Peter, all his potential at the very beginning. And then we're going to look and we're going to see uh, that in order for us to grow in Christ, God wants us to obey him. And then we're going to see that God wants us to focus in on him during the storms. And then we're going to see how God wants us to trust in him in times of no hope. So let's look at some parts of Peter's life. Let's start off. The Lord wants you to grow to all your potential. Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 40 and through 42. And that is found on page 71. Uh, for those of you that have your Bibles in, um, in your chairs here. John chapter 1, and look at verse uh, 40 through 42. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm reading out in the New King James Version this morning. I'm, I apologize, I don't have a New American Standard, in the, and the printing is too small on those Bibles for me to read to you from here. So I'm going to read through here. So um, we'll start in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, or the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And I think in your Bible it says translated uh, Peter. Uh, in the Greek it's Petros, which has, which has uh, the meaning of a stone. Here we see Christ had just been baptized and just starting his ministry. And we see how Andrew followed Jesus and then he goes and he brings his brother, Peter, or Simon Peter. You see, the Lord wants you to grow to all your potential. The Lord saw Simon Peter right off, right at the beginning, what Peter would be transformed into. You see, when Simon Peter was redeemed, it was to be Christ-like. Not to fail, but to be like Christ. And the same with us. When we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, God sees right off the bat what all of our potential will be. He saw that stone uh, in Jesus. He saw all that Peter would grow uh, to be. And Actually, we call that sanctification. It's a big word that simply means to be set apart from sin to holiness. And it's a continual process. It starts off just like, just like uh, Borglund got the, their drill bits from Coolidge. He saw 
the pictures of the presidents on the side of that mountain. Just like Jesus sees in us all of our potential, everything that we can be in him. He didn't see Peter as that rough fisherman. He didn't see Peter as the one who would deny him three times. But he saw that fiery preacher at Pentecost. He saw the tool that he would use to help build his church. He saw the author of 1 and 2 Peter, the man that would write 1 and 2 Peter to encourage those Christians that were suffering for the cause of Christ. See, God sees us with all of our potential. As a youth leader for many years, I've seen a lot of youth. In some youth, I see so much potential in them. Like, and I go home and I'll tell my wife or tell somebody else, boy, you know what? He has got so much potential. If he will just stick with Christ and, and use that potential for Christ, God will use him mightily. And as a pastor, I would see it in people. And I know as your pastor, he sees it in you. He sees the potential that you have of serving Christ if you'll stick with it and let God chip away at you. See, at first, we're, not, we're really nothing but a piece of rock or, or a piece of clay. But slowly we progress as the Lord molds us or as the Lord chips away at the stone. See, the Lord wants us to grow to all of our potential. The Lord wants you to grow to all of your potential. He saw the finished product, just like Borglum saw the finished product. And not only does the Lord want us to, to grow to all of our potential, he wants us to grow by obeying his word. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verses uh, 1 through 8. In Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 8, starting in verse 1, it says, So it was, with the, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your request or at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. One of the first things that we need to do is learn to obey the Lord in order to grow. You see, Peter was a seasoned fisherman. Here he was, he'd been fishing all night long. And then in the morning time, Jesus came along and Jesus got in his boat and was preaching to the people. And after he, done, after he was done preaching to the people, he said, okay, Simon, take your boat out there and just put your nets over the side of the boat. Peter's standing there, come on, Lord. Did you forget who I was? A fisherman. I've been fishing all night. The conditions are bad. The, the wind is at the wrong direction. Or there's no wind. The sun is too hot. But, come on. 
I'm not going to catch any fish. But he said, okay, nevertheless, I will go ahead and I'll drop the nets off to the side. And as he dropped the nets off the side, all of a sudden, all the fish come in. So many, so many fish that the nets began to break. He's like, come on, guys, help me. Look at all the fish. They're pulling the fish in both boats, and the boats are starting to sink down. And as the boats are sinking down, it's, oh, yeah, man, what a great fishing day. But then he comes to his senses, and he looks, and he looks at the Lord. He says, oh, oh, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Sinful man. See, one of the first things to do when you obey is surrender your will. And when you surrender your will to the Lord, when you're ready to be obedient to the Lord, you're ready to be taught. If you're not willing to obey, you're not willing to be taught from the Lord. See, I see here Peter was ready to be changed and ready to be taught. And obeying is also recognizing who we are. You see, Peter recognized who he was. He was a sinful man, just like you and me. We're sinful and we're nothing. But with Christ, we're what? Everything. Obeying is surrendering your will and recognizing who you are, just like Peter recognized who he was. See, the Lord wants us to grow to all of our potential, and the Lord wants us to grow by obeying His Word. I think obeying is like starting out with a drill bit from President Coolidge. Like, okay, I got the drill bit, I'm going to start drilling. I'm going to start the carving process. So obey. Not only does the Lord want us to obey, but the Lord wants us to grow by focusing on Him during storms. Turn in your Bible to, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, page 12 in your Bible in the, in the uh, chairs there. The Lord wants you to grow by focusing on Him during the storms. And in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, actually, uh, before this, we know that Jesus feeds the 5,000. A great miracle that Jesus performs here as he's preaching to the people and feeds the 5,000. And in verse 22, it says in Matthew 14, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat after he fed the 5,000 and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch, three to six o'clock in the morning of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the water or walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. 
See, in our Christian life, storms are going to come. And as all of us that have been Christians for a while, we know the storms come, don't we? Here's this seasoned fisherman. And in this severe storm, and there is fear in them, this fear of the unknown. But when the storms come, we want to grow during those storms. And how do we grow during the storms come? How are we going to grow? Well, we're going to start off by focusing in on Christ, aren't we? Here as they're coming across, the disciples are, are afraid. It was obviously a huge, terrible storm. Of course, when we think about a terrible storm, we think about hurricanes, right? Katrina, right? Especially since our, our people are down there serving the Lord in New Orleans. They recognize that it's Christ. And Peter, Peter steps up and says, Oh, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. Jesus has come. So Peter's walking on the Lord, keeping his eyes totally focused on Jesus. I once heard a preacher say that maybe as Peter's walking out there, one of the disciples yelled out of the boat, Hey, Peter, look out for that wave! As Peter turns to look at the wave, he now recognizes the thunder and the lightning and the wind blowing and all the waves. He's got his eyes off Christ. And what happens? Down he goes. And as he's going down, he's like, Lord, save me! Keeping his eyes focused on Christ. In the storms, when we take our eyes off Christ, what happens? We're now diverted and looking at all the circumstances of the storm. And we're like, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on there? <laughs> I do give Peter credit because when he was falling, he realized that he needed to get back up and get his eyes focused back in on Christ. Jesus says, Oh, Peter of little faith, why did you doubt? Another thing about storms, we know that storms will come. We know that we need to keep focused during the storms. But we also need to recognize that Delays in storms are not denials. I heard a preacher uh, or somebody once say, I'm not sure who it was, saying delays in the storms are not denials. Remember, Jesus saw them during the storm. He had his eyes on them during the storm, just like he has his eyes on us during our storms of life. I think of uh, Mary and Martha in John chapter 11. After Lazarus has been dead, for four days. And Jesus came and, 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 and they run out and they say, Lord, Lord, if you had only been here, Lazarus would be alive now. And Jesus did what? He, he delayed on purpose, didn't he? He delayed on purpose. Why? Because Jesus wanted to show who he was. And he showed his deity. He showed and proved to them that he was God by raising Lazarus from the dead, didn't he? So remember, when you're going through the storms in your Christian life, remember that delays don't mean that Jesus isn't watching you or keeping your eyes on you. To triumph in the storm, your eyes must be focused in on Jesus Christ and not the storm of the circumstances. Don't look at the difficulties. 
but look at Christ's eyes. Look at the Word of God. God uses these storms to grow us. God used the storm here to grow Peter. I can remember storms in my life that I thought were going to totally destroy me. But in reality, in the end, as I reflected back, I realized that they grew me closer to Jesus. They showed me exactly who Christ was. I think of Borglum now chipping at the face of that mountain. He's got the drill bits. He's, he's, he's put the, uh, the holes in there. And during uh, the storm here, he's now taken a big chunk out. Just like in our lives, God, has, through that storm, has taken that chunk out, molding me, molding you to all your potential, what you can be in Christ. So we see that the Lord wants you to grow to all your potential. The Lord wants you to grow by obeying His Word. The Lord wants you to grow by focusing in on Him. And lastly, the Lord wants you to grow by trusting Him in times of no hope. Look at Acts chapter 12. Trusting in Him in times of no hope. Here this last example is of Peter In chapter 12, page 102 in your Bibles, Acts chapter 12, look at verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, when he arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Here we see that Herod had taken James and beheaded him, killed him for the cause of Christ. Oh, the Jews were happy. Herod was happy because the Jews were happy. Now let me go get another one. So he went and got Peter. And Peter's standing with all these guards around him. Humanly impossible for Peter to get out of this one. Now he was a goner, right? He was gone. His his life was over, wasn't it? Yep, on all human um, aspects, it it was impossible. Peter was in a place of no hope, literally, but not spiritually. Oh, I can think of many examples of um, people being in a place of no hope. I think of my uh, college friend that lived next to me in college just a few years ago. His name was Michael. Michael was from West Africa. He had, he had gotten saved and had only been saved for a few years and decided to go to a Bible college in West Africa. At that time, there were civil wars. There was a coup and all sorts of trouble. And while he was at that Bible college, um, during the middle of the day, uh, the Civil War had moved into town. And they were coming through killing people. They were were, uh, in the college killing uh, professors and and, uh, fellow students. Michael had become friends with with a person from the U.S. Embassy. He ran out of the building and he ran uh, close to the U.S. Embassy and he saw his friend and his friend said, Michael, come with me, come with me. We're getting a helicopter. We're closing the embassy and we're getting a helicopter. We're getting out of here. 
you got to come now. And Michael said, about my family, my wife, my two kids, my daughter, my son. I said, Mike, we don't have time. He says, you can stay and take your chances so you can go with me. And he made that decision and he flew out. And for two years, he had no contact with his wife or his son or daughter. He, he didn't know if they were even alive or dead. And finally, um, after two years, uh, he found them or got word to him through a missionary that they were alive. Now in that battle, Michael lost his sister. She was brutally raped and murdered right in front of her mom. But he felt like he was in a place of no hope, but he had to trust Christ at that time. I'm sure when Contrita came through, and we know, we saw the reports, and we still see the reports, many people were in a place of, of no hope. But you know, this place of no hope is a place of growth in Christ because we have no choice but to cast ourselves completely on Christ. Nothing in our power we can do, but we have to follow Christ. And that's exactly what happened to Peter here in Acts chapter 12, didn't it? He had to cast himself at Christ. Of course, by now he had he learned a lot of lessons. By now, sticks of dynamites, sticks of dynamites have been blown up on him, right? As Christ was carving this, this man's life. Just like Borglum now has taken dynamite, now he's starting to see the finished product. I love the end of this from verses 5 on because we see in verse 5 um, as Peter was kept in prison it says but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church see they were back at the home praying for Peter constantly as a church and as for each other during these storms or even and not these uh, storms we must stay in consistent prayer for each other Last night as we talked to Pastor Robbie and, and those down in, uh, it was Mississippi at that time, we were up here praying for them. And I was amazed to hear that as we were totally focused in on praying, praying for them and praying for their safety, they were at a restaurant praying for us. Isn't that incredible? During times of what we think are no hope are times that we grow really close to Christ because we have... Uh, no choice. And the times of no hopes of no hope are times of sweet hope with Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Obey him. Focus in on him. How do I grow in Jesus? Or does Jesus have a purpose or a plan for my life? Number one, he sees all of our potential. Will we use all of our potential for him. Will we allow him to chip away at us? Number two, we obey his word. Sometimes it makes no sense, does it? Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Uh, my daughter Amanda came up to me last week and um, she should have been upset, but she wasn't upset. She had talked to her volleyball coach during the beginning of the summer and coach said, oh, no problem. But she found out the other day she was probably going to miss half the season um, because she was leaving this week. And she came up to me and she said, Dad, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Do you think five years or ten years from now I'm going to remember a half a season of volleyball? 
Uh-uh, Dad. I'm going to remember a missions trip. See? Sometimes it makes no sense, but obeying God and listening to what he tells us to do makes sense to God and will eventually make sense to you. Focus on him. When those storms come, don't get your eyes on the circumstances and stuff that's going around you, but keep your eyes straight on Jesus. And then trust in him in times of no hope, in times when you think there is no hope. I think last week it was a song sung or, or somebody said, hopelessly lost. Is there anybody or anything that is hopelessly lost? Not with Christ. Not until that last breath. There is no such thing as hopelessly lost when it comes to Jesus Christ. Is it? So we trust in him. I think it's a good lesson for us to learn to not only, um, not only in times of no hope, but all times, put our complete trust in him. And one other thing, when it comes to all of your potential, don't compare yourself with somebody else. God has a specific purpose and a specific plan for you. Your plan for you. Your own story. Your own storms. Your own places of no hope. God saw all of Peter's potential and he slowly chipped away chipped away, drilled, chopped, and even used dynamite so Peter could become all that Christ wanted him to become. And when before the throne, I stand in him complete. One day, one day, we'll be able to look at that mountain and see the faces of, not the presidents, but of Phil and you and you and you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for you. Thank you that we can take your word and we can draw principles out. It's so clear on how you want us to live in your word. And oh Lord, for some it's not clear because they don't know you. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today that has never realized that you love them, they realize that you sent Jesus to die for them, Father, they would recognize that they are a sinner. Just like Peter said, just like Simon Peter said before the Lord, Oh, Lord, I am a sinner. Depart from me. But Christ didn't want to depart from him. Christ wanted him to trust and obey him and come to him. Oh, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, recognize that you're a sinner and you're separated from him and call out to him. And say, oh God, save me. Save me. And for you, Christian, this morning, you say, you know, I've, I've accepted Christ. But I really didn't realize that these storms that I go through are, are all a part of the Christian life. And God just wants to mold me into what, what he wants me to be. Oh God, I want to get my eyes focused back in on you today. Obey him. Focus on him and trust in him. For truly he will do the chipping away and he will mold you and carve you into what he wants you to be, to all your potential. So one day we'll stand in him complete. And what a day that will be. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's your precious name that we uh, say these things and ask these things and thank you and worship you. Amen.